We don't really know what to do with Ash Wednesday, do we? It's a little bit awkward. Uh, Surely somebody here is already guilty of maybe in the parking lot even greeting somebody by saying happy Ash Wednesday, only to be struck immediately with the thought that doesn't sound quite right. Uh, Perhaps Ash Wednesday is especially out out of place in the South where we like to sort of beat around the bush and lean into social cues. But Ash Wednesday cuts right to the heart of the matter, doesn't it? Remember that you were dust, and to dust you shall return. We don't tend to wish each other happy Ash Wednesday because today is a reminder that death is coming for each and every one of us. As Tim noted, this year Valentine's Day is maybe especially awkward. It lands on the same day as Valentine's Day. And so the roses and the chocolates of Valentine's Day land a little bit differently on Ash Wednesday, don't they? I would love you forever if I didn't already have plans to die. How many sentimental cards have we already exchanged this morning declaring what we intend to do with all of our hearts. How ironic. It is that very impulse that the prophet Joel would like a few words, and that's really where I want to look for a few moments this early afternoon. So let's listen to what Joel has to say. He too is very direct. He cuts to the heart of the matter. Return to me, the Lord says, with all of your heart. Return to me. If you spend any time around the Bible, we know that the heart is at the heart of the greatest command that Jesus says is for all of us. That great command to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. It's the great commandment. To love the Lord with all of your heart is to love him with all that you are. It's to love him with everything that makes you, you. And here's what Joel knows very well. In this fallen world, we don't do this very well. We don't love God with all that we are. We don't love God with our whole being. In fact, the world is as broken as it is precisely because we, image bearers of God, have not loved him with all that we are. But we do love. We are loving beings. And we love ourselves. And we love our sins. And we love our idols. And the reason we love all of these things so much is because you and I have so often been deceived into believing that this sort of love is the place where we will find our true and lasting happiness. But the Bible knows that this kind of love can only lead to destruction. It can only ever lead to a death of our own making. And that's why Paul says the wages of sin is death. That's another way of saying sin's payday is death. The path that all of our sins lead to is death. And it's a paycheck that we will have earned. In 2021, there was this bizarre sort of side story on a lot of news sites. 
60 crocodiles or so had been found dead in Australia, floating upside down in a pool of the same body of water. And it was sort of a mystery at first. What killed these alligators? Who or killed these crocodiles? What caused this massive floating grave? And it turns out that it was their own misdirected appetites, that there had been a bunch of cane frogs which are poisonous, and they saw a tasty treat, every one of them, and every one of them died. They died because instead of directing their appetites to what will feed them and nourish them, they ate what could only kill them. And what Joel is saying is clear. If we don't redirect our appetites to God, our appetites will kill us. Joel knows that if we're going to love God with all that we are, it will first mean acknowledging that the trajectory of our hearts has been set on death. In other words, the solution to our wayward hearts has got to be something deeper than behavior modification. Return to me with fasting. Return to me with weeping and mourning, but only if your hearts are in it. That's what he means when he says, rend your hearts and not your garments. This is a matter of the heart. A heart that has to break is far more important than an outward show of mourning. And Jesus warns us in the our gospel reading in Matthew, that it's easy enough to go through holy motions and your heart be as far from God as ever. You can give to the needy and you can pray and you can fast and Jesus wants us to do all three of these things. But you can do all of them without truly offering your heart to God. I wonder if you remember the context that Joel is speaking in here. It's been a national tragedy. Locusts have come and devoured all of Israel's crops, and so it's a hard, dark time. Their stock market has crashed, so to speak. And Joel says, if you think that this devastation is bad, wait until the Lord comes. The Lord is coming. And he comes with a sickle of justice in his hand, and he will cut off those whose hearts are far from him like the locusts cut off the fruit of the land. Why? Because when the Lord of justice returns, he will show us with crystal clarity just what the heart of our motivation has been in everything that we have done. He will show us that we have moved through our own lives the same sort of destruction that the locusts have come into Israel with. And he will show us that in our fallen, sinful condition, we have all of us been wrecking balls. We all know what it is to have moments that we're ashamed of. The big moments, maybe you lose your temper. Or you say the thing that you know you shouldn't say that you won't ever be able to really take back, but you say it anyway. And immediately afterwards, I have a thought. I don't know if you've ever had a thought like this. That is not going to look good on the big screen. It's not going to look good when God shows the world the way things have always been and what everything has meant. And when my actions are on display for the world to see, that's not going to look very good. On that day when our actions are on display, if it's up to us to defend ourselves, then all that we can expect is shame. 
But the thing is, when Jesus talks about our hearts not always being in line with our actions, I can't help but think that there will be plenty of moments on that big screen that will surprise us. Things that we dismiss, like when someone gently comes to us to say that something we have said or done has hurt them and we dismiss their concern. That's not really what that was about. That's not going to look good on the big screen. Or the seemingly tame but deliciously gossipy way that we tell our boss something about a coworker. That's not going to look very good on the big screen. Or all the times that we run intentionally into something that will harm us instead of the goodness of God's word. It's not going to look good on the big screen. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. How do we do this? I mean, we have to be able to admit that our sin has caused far more damage than we even think it has. We naturally all want to look at the sins of others and say, Phew, I'm not as bad as them. Their sins are worse than mine. And that thought in particular is not going to look good on the big screen. And here's the deal. Our sin doesn't just disturb other image bearers. We so quickly forget that this is God's world, that we fit into his story of what he is doing. And we forget that the wake of destruction that we have left wherever we've gone has been a personal affront against God's holiness. In powerful ways, this universe reflects something of the beauty of God. And as powerful of a thought as that is, every single person here has left this world in some way worse than we found it. Every single one of us has introduced something broken into this world that has our name on it. And it's true for all of us. And so the idea that we can come to an Ash Wednesday service and maybe skip a few meals during Lent and at the end of it find ourselves closer to God isn't all that different from a husband who maybe has neglected his wife all year and is surprised that she isn't wooed by a box of chocolates. See, how do you give your heart to someone that you have sinned against. I think, first of all, your heart has to break for the ways that you've sinned against them. But secondly, you have to realize you can only give your heart to someone who wants it. Sufjan Stevens made a splash 20 years ago when Illinois came out. It came out the weekend that I got married. And he introduced a song about a serial killer named John Wayne Gacy. And in it, he sings eerily, about this man's heinous crimes and how he buried his victims in his basement. And he ends the song with this line. He says, And in my best behavior, I'm really just like him. Look beneath the floorboards for the secrets I have hid. How do you give your heart to God? You have to be able to see that your heart is as dark as anyone's heart. But that's not enough. You have to know that as dark as your heart is, God still wants it. Truly. In 2003, another serial killer, Gary Ridgway, faced sentencing for the murder of 48 women. 
And the victim's families got to speak to him, address him before his sentencing. And and predictably, there was a lot of anger and vitriol uh, directed at him. The worst that they could give, because after all, he had directed the worst that he could give to their wives and daughters. And he's stone-faced throughout the whole thing. And then one father gets up to the mic and he says, Mr. Ridgway, there are people in this room that hate you. And I am not one of them though you have made it difficult for me to do what I believe, and that is that God's forgiveness is for anyone. And I forgive you, sir. And this stone-faced man crumbles into tears at these words of forgiveness because he knows what he has done, and someone still extends to him grace. Until you see how much God wants your heart, you will never be broken by the ways that you have sinned against him. But Joel reminds us he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And so this Lent, we all have an opportunity, an invitation to take fresh inventory of our hearts, to be reminded in pointed ways that all of us will die one day. And we will die one day because we are sinners. But God wants our hearts. He intends to bring hope out of our ashes. And we know that one day we will see that hope face to face. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit.